It is the middle of the day and I'm standing in the fierce heat looking up at a large derelict building. It feels like a bit spooky. The roof caved in long ago through open holes where there used to be windows. I can see trees growing. The brick walls have been stained black by monsoon rains and equatorial sun. All around us is free town spots. Trucks come and go and cranes flex like giant hands. But amid the hustle and bustle, this building sits still and silent. A passerby could easily overlook it. But that would be a big mistake. Despite its state of decay, it is in fact a very special place. This is the original home of Frabi College, one of Africa's oldest universities. It is the institution which gave Sierra Leone an enduring nickname, the Athens of West Africa. For more than 200 years, scholars have gravitated to Sierra Leone. For a small country, it has a big reputation and has influenced the culture and politics of the wider region. Graduates of Frobe College have become leaders across West Africa, from Gambia to Nigeria and Cameroon, to Kenya, Tanzania, Zimbabwe and Namibia, carrying the saloon spirit with them. I am Charlie Hafner, a playwright, historian and traditional storyteller. And this is Saloon Stories, a podcast series about life and culture in my home country, Sierra Leone. Today we are back in Freetown, not far from the famous cotton tree where we began our journey, which is now almost at an end. We are here to find out why Sierra Leone was once known as the Athens of West Africa and what that name means for the country's future. Frobe College moved to a new campus long ago. The college is now set on a hill above the city. The campus is green and shady, and lots of whitewashed bungalows hidden amongst leafy tropical trees. I'm having a coffee in the students' cafe. Just like students everywhere, they are working hard to avoid their studies. Milling around the cafe, they are chatting, listening to music, checking their smartphones. Frobe College was founded in 1827, only a few decades after Freetown was first colonized. Its purpose was to train locals as missionaries. Until then, Christian preachers from Europe had been plagued by problems. They were utterly unprepared for conditions in Africa. In Sierra Leone, so many Europeans died of malaria that it was called the white man's grave. Frobe College was meant to solve this problem by getting locals to spread the word of God rather than sticky priests from London or Lisbon. From the beginning, however, Frobe College was destined to become something bigger. There is a story that when the foundation stone of the original building was laid, somebody declared. On this same spot, some 40 years ago, stood a slave factory, but henceforth, the same spot will be full of light. Its reputation grew and grew. 
It was the first Western-style university in sub-Saharan Africa and was affiliated with Doham University in England. Scholars flocked from far and wide. Freetown hummed with intellectual energy. Slowly but surely, the city became known as the Athens of West Africa. In fact, there was a time when Fulbe College had more foreign than local students. That was one. Frobe College not only trained people in the humanities, uh, it also uh, provided training for uh, pastors, teachers, and it was from Sierra Leone that uh, a number of uh, very important schools were opened along the west coast of Africa by Sierra Leoneans. Joe Edi Ali is Dean of the History Faculty of Frobe College. We became not only the Athens of West Africa, but also the mother of West Africa, because it was from Sierra Leone that these other British uh, possessions, like the Gambia, the then Gold Coast, which is Ghana and Nigeria, uh, Sierra Leone provided the administrators to manage, to help the British manage these countries. Uh, the, the lawyers, the judges, uh, senior civil servants, and so on and so forth. So to that extent, Sierra Leone became the mother of West Africa. In 1945, Fobe College moved to its new location on Mount Uriel. It rises above Freetown, just like the Parthenon rises above Athens in Greece. Fobe College produced the first female graduates not only in Sierra Leone but in West Africa. And many of the politicians, activists and intellectuals pushing for independence in Africa in the 1940s and 50s had studied at Fobe College. But the years following Sierra Leone's own independence in 1961 were not easy. Politics were unstable. The other colleges that Frobe had inspired in places like Ghana and Nigeria began to compete hard to attract students. And of course, the problems continued and it became worse during the, the 80s with the downturn of our economy uh, in this country. It became extremely difficult to, to manage the institution because the bulk of the support comes from the central government. Things came to a head during the uh, Civil War of 1991 to 2000. Uh, many of our, you know, uh, experienced faculty members left. And many did not come back. And so there were these huge challenges. And this happened at a time when the student population was also increasing exponentially. And so while you had this, uh, I don't want to call it exodus, but this flight of experienced and dedicated academic staff moving away, the student population was increasing. And we've had that challenge even as we, we do this interview, uh, serious financial difficulties to manage the institution. Despite these difficulties and the recent challenges of COVID-19, attending Frobe College remains an ambition for many of Sierra Leone's brightest young people. I am Alima Timono. I am a social work student. Well, after graduation, I want to find a job that will well paid and also serve humanity. 
It's the best university, and if I enroll in this university, I will get the best knowledge that I want to acquire. Um, my name is Mam Subangua. I'm studying social work. Um, the reason why I came to Fobe College because I believe Fobe College is the best university in the history of Africa, and I want to be a policy analyst after I finish my course. My name is Fatman Tamuno. I'm from Social Work Department. Finally, I chose uh, Fobe College because it's the most unique and it's the anthem of Sierra Leone. Uh, my my plan is that after graduation, I'll find a job and I want to help the children being among people, helping the vulnerable people especially. My name is Mohamed Aliuba and then I choose Fobe College as one of the best universities in West Africa and Australia as a whole. And then after graduation, I want to become a transport engineer because I want to solve the problem of transport in this country. These hard-working students want the best for themselves and their families. But I'm also struck by their desire to use their education for the benefit of Sierra Leone as a whole. The task facing Sierra Leone's present generation of leaders is to make sure that this is possible. I am meeting David Moyina Senge, Minister of Basic and Senior Secondary Education and Chief Innovation Officer for the Government of Sierra Leone. My work really is at the intersection of two portfolios. One is innovation across government, across the entire spectrum of um, the ecosystem, so the people, the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the policy around innovation. And perhaps the, more, the bigger portfolio is the education portfolio, where I'm responsible for basic and senior secondary education, and that means policies on education in schools, teachers, um, how the curriculum is drawn, what people learn, what are the things that should happen in our schools, what are, what's our vision for education. And so it's at the intersection of education, learning, and um, innovation and technology. Many Sierra Leoneans are proud of the term, the Athens of West Africa. They see it as a testament to the nation's unique culture of learning, but some believe that it should be treated with caution. Mr. Senge is one of these. I think my position on that is Sierra Leone's education was great before, but it wasn't that inclusive, actually. It was very few people who had access to it. It was those who were in the urban areas. It wasn't the people who were outside Freetown. And if you were outside Freetown, it wasn't those who were outside the district headquarter towns. And if it were people who were outside the district headquarter towns, it wasn't the people who were the sons of chiefs. And if you were not the son of a traditional leader, then you were pretty much excluded. Um, so it was good quality education for select people. And we certainly are not going back there. I think we're going towards a more inclusive uh, radical inclusion is something that we all eat, sleep, and breathe in our ministry, and I think across government as well, that will stop at nothing until everybody has access to quality education. Um, that future is possible. Rather than celebrating past glories, the government's focus today is on getting the basics right. School attendance is improving. Technology is being introduced to classrooms, and the curriculum is being updated. But perhaps most importantly, the government wants to change the way people think. Unless kids love to learn, they won't fulfill their potential.
It's very interesting because I do travel throughout the country a lot and I see and interact with children, people, parents. There's a new sense of um, umph, there's some pride of students being students again in this country. You drive across this country, Cambia, all the way to the border, Mambolo, Kailan. You meet kids at 5 p.m. They're elegantly dressed, ready, happy to be students again. And that love for education, that pride in excellence is what I think Athens of West Africa represented, is what we want to get to as well in the future. That being a student is some magical thing. You're, you, you, you don't want to be left out. It's the coolest thing you can do in this country as a child is to be a student. And I can see that happen. You, you see people say, ah, it's the president's children, ah, it's the minister's children, ah, FQSC children. People, it's almost like you're jealous of And I see adults say this all the time. I hear adults say this all the time. I wish I was going to school now. I wish that this is the period when I was going to school. People were jealous of students, and that's great. I am at the top of Leicester Peak. It is the highest of all the hills that this beautiful city is built on and dominates the skyline. Today, the summit bristles with phone masts and satellite dishes. But it isn't difficult to understand why travelers to these shores have been struck by it for generations. I can only imagine how daunting this peak must have looked to early European explorers tracing Africa's coast in their fragile boats, or how it must have inspired awe in freed slaves returning to Africa full of hope and fear. To those who had always lived here, the peak is a sacred place, home to gods and ghosts. From the top of Leicester Peak, the whole of Freetown is visible. It is a good place to rest as we approach the end of our journey. From where I am standing, I can see Frobe College and the Parliament's building. I can see the Western Area National Park, where brutal chimpanzee may still live among the treetops. Drifting on the breeze, I can hear the melodies of Afrobeats, the lyrics of national anthem, and the sound of Julius Caesar being performed in poetic creole. And down there, at the heart of the city, I can see the cotton tree standing tall, the ultimate symbol of this small but proud nation. In this series, we have examined Sierra Leone's past and looked towards its future. Of course, we haven't told all the possible salon stories, but I hope and believe that Sierra Leone, with its strong people and unique spirit, has its best stories still to come. Salon Stories was presented by me, Charlie Hafner. It was written and created by myself and Sam Williams and edited by Nadia Medi. The executive producers were Sam Williams and Max O'Brien. Sound design and mixing by Naomi Clark. 
Special thanks to Abdul Karim Sisse, Eleanor Briggs, Claire Crafton, and Pippa Smith. Saloon Stories was produced by Novel for Afri Cell. <laughs>